Thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the city of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. My co-host today is Megan Kazak, the Communications Coordinator. So, Megan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I think I'm always saying I do well. but You do. <laughs> that is your... your yeah. But you I'm do like, well. I'm on a level like eight of wellness, I guess, today. Oh, yeah? I don't know. Or seven. Oh, we I need know. to bump that up a little bit. That's okay. No. So, <laughs> uh, so today uh, our guest is whom? Well, today's guest is a very important person. We're very excited to have our city engineering director, Monty Carnes, with us. His department was formerly known as the Transportation and Stormwater Services Department. So you can kind of get a feel of all the things that he is uh, overseas. Yeah, the transportation it would include street improvements. So, uh, which is probably maybe the hottest topic in town. So Monty is the one that uh, knows it all, right? So, uh, let's just go ahead and bring our guest on, Monty. Uh, welcome to FYI Stillwater. Thank you for having me. Okay. What we're going to do first is we are going to start with a lightning round, and we're going to ask you some random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. All right. So, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, which decade do you love the most? 60s. Okay. 60s. <gasps> You're a hippie. Yeah, I'm a hippie. You know, it's what they He's say. He's a flower <laughs> child, yes. Yeah, if you, if, you can, if you can remember the 60s, you didn't participate. Uh, so, how were the 60s, Monty? <laughs> so, the 60s were good. Uh, <laughs> you didn't participate. <laughs> well, you know, they're... I, I am very <laughs> thankful we did not have cell phones with cameras uh, in the sixties. So, what revealing <laughs> thing would we have seen, Monty? <laughs> Imagine Monty with a full head of hair. What color was your hair? Brown. Brown. And okay. curls. And Waves? no, no, straight? straight, straight. Parted on the side. Hot pink. Did you have, have like sideburns? Did you do? Yeah, go I had that sideburns. Had uh-huh. sideburns. Had sideburns. A uh, hot pink collar and a uh, shirt with hot pink collar and hot pink French cuffs. Uh, so what? And so would you do hot pink now? Oh Lord, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only times I've worn pink since then have been uh, things involved with uh, breast cancer awareness. Right. And my at my daughter's wedding, she wanted me to wear a pink shirt, and I wore a pink shirt Aww. for her at the wedding. But sweet. other than that, that's the only time I wear pink. So the <laughs> '60s, we could just do a whole podcast yeah, the, here. One of the things I like th- about the '60s, though, is um, you look at look at all the things that were accomplished. Look at all the social upheaval that was going on at the time, but then look at particularly the space program, and, right. and you know, one end of things were, were having these societal discussions that were important to have, and and. Uh, we're winding down or we're fighting the war in Vietnam and and we don't fight the way we don't fight wars that way anymore for good reasons but yet in all that you know we we did this space program and we accomplished so many things 
And some of us come out of the 60s with the, hey, we can do anything we want to. Right. Uh, or not, I shouldn't say think we can do anything we want to. We can do anything. We yeah. can accomplish anything. And, and it doesn't have to be just um, something technological. Right. I mean, we can, There's whatever, all this whatever our goal business. is, yeah, whatever yeah. our goal is, as a community, as a society, there's nothing that stops us from doing it. Yeah, because there is definitely the 60s, like 1960 is very different from 1959. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, and then when you get to 69, it's very different from 70. So it really sure. is this incredible chunk. And if you watch Mad Men, you can kind of relive the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so And the cars were unbelievable. The cars were, Oh, yeah. my gosh, the cars were wonderful. What about the music? I won't tell you, I won't tell you oh, about tell the drag racing. Oh, well, no, I yeah. won't tell you about the drag racing. Let's do that. The music, the music, <laughs> oh, man. You Your first, the first time oh. you hit the road with <laughs> <laughs> the association? How can you not listen to the so association? So it's the the cars and the the speaker turned mm-hmm. up loud. Well, and we I relived that with Vicky, yeah, um, going across southern Idaho, uh-huh. and the speed limit was eighty or eighty five. I can't remember. <gasps> and and I had rented a Mustang convertible, and we had actually found a '60s radio station, and it was the Beach Boys. <gasps> so we're cruising across southern Idaho in the summertime with the top down listening to the Beach Boys, and I'm I'm going every bit the speed limit, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> and Vicki reaches over, and she can still talk then, and she pats my leg, and she says, we can't go fast enough for the wind to blow through your hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that so. is the sweetest memory. <laughs> so anyway, so that was good. So yeah, I love the 60s. Yeah. Aww. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that about Vicki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, a nice memory. It is Very good nice. memory. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and move into um, to the reason we brought you here. This is one of those topics that we probably don't even have enough time to even get started on all the different aspects. So let's just jump right in. Um, let's. You've worked for the city a couple of different times, right? That's correct. Yeah, I, was, so I was here in the 80s for about uh, six, seven years, and then I've been back two years now. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of uh, conversation out in the world in, in Stillwater about, you know, what projects, like, it's almost like people don't realize how much we've actually accomplished, you know, in transportation, and because they can't remember the streets the way they were before, you know, before they got redone or repaved or something. Could you kind of take us through a, maybe a quick historical sure, sure. Uh, overview of what of how Stillwater has changed its, uh, um, well, its road layout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go back to August of 1970. Uh, Is that a random date? Not the date? 60s. No, that's, that's when I, almost the 60s. Uh, first time I was here was in the 60s. But August of 1970, when I came to go to school here, Okay. I intended to be here four years and be gone, get a degree in civil engineering and be gone, oh God, and, you so know, I'm still here. So, but... Highway 51 from I-35 to town was two lanes. The Country Club was the furthest west subdivision, and it was a couple of years old. Um, those roads were barely paved. Um, there were some south of 19th, kind of yellow, um, I mean, um, uh, whatever those are, j- were just kind of coming in then. Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, Yellow yeah. Brick Road, uh, Sanger Ridge, um, some of those. So very, very limited development out that way, 51 being two lanes. You get to western, you turn and you go north. 
Western Road was an oil mat road. They took the dirt, mixed it with some oil, ran a roller over it, and it was about 22 feet wide. That was the road, Western. And it went up to Farm Road, Hall of Fame when built, went to Farm Road and curved around and went down Farm Road, and you got the campus, and, it, and, that, and it, it got a little bit better. Um, Washington Street was not a good good street and any kind of a rain and it would flood when my sister was here in the 60s um er, earlier in the 60s they would float volkswagens down washington street when it flooded when it flooded well it not when it flooded when it rained it It didn't have flood it just rained um and everyone had a volkswagen most of the street main street north of miller was a concrete road built in the 40s that was 22 feet wide. And it stayed that way until it got to Washington, and that was 177 at the time. It stayed that way till you got to Washington and then on out to Airport Road, and at Airport Road it narrowed down to 20 feet wide concrete. Wow. Uh, Washington Street was 22 feet wide of concrete from basically Boomer down to what's now Hall of Fame. It's called McGeorge Street then. Uh, McGeorge Street was four-lane to what's now Monroe, but it wasn't as wide as it is now. It was very, very narrow. Hall of Fame stopped a block, McGeorge Street, stopped a block east of Duck. Most, Very few in the streets, very few of the streets in town were actually paved. Most of them had this old, oil and soil mixed and that was the pavement almost all of the residential streets in town were have either been paved as part of the development or as an assessment district where the where the adjoining property owner paid for the for the pavement in front of their house the city would would pay for the intersections and pay for any um, storm drainage that had to be done. That was the city's participation in, in getting streets paved. Um, there was a lot of urban development money used down in the area south and ninth, between 12th and 9th, and um, east of, of about Monroe Street down in that area. Uh, Houser butt up out of the floodplain, but those streets were paved with that and some CDBG grant money. And most of those were someone in the, in the lower social economic areas of the community. But the vast majority of the residential streets were paved by the adjoining property owner. They paid for them. Now, t- in order to make that happen, uh, you had to keep the cost as low as possible. And so, you know, people were just, hey, just get the street paved and it'll be better. And that's part of what I'm saying as a society in the 60s, you know, the, the state was 50, 50 years old, 57 years old, 60 years old. And it takes a while for a community to develop just like it takes when you start out with your family, you don't move into a big expensive house. It takes you a while to grow into that. And it takes that way with communities. And in the scheme of things, you know, still want to on that old. And so it just takes a while, and you, you take baby steps in your infrastructure, 
and we're kind of to a point now where we have the funds to do things better. I mean, think not only as a community were we not doing the streets, we had water systems, wastewater systems, we had some drainage things to take care of, we had to build schools, we had to build churches, we had to do parks, we have all of these things of which transportation is an important part, but it's not the only thing. So you have all of these pressures, you gotta have fire protection, you have all of these things competing against not only your tax dollars, but your tax dollars are based on what your income is, and you're still trying to grow income in a lot of areas. So that's my way of saying some of the issues that we have today date back to that period of time or older of, of um, when folks did the very best they could, took a great sacrifice on themselves to pay for the pavement in front of their street mm -hmm. to make the community a better community. So that's a little right. bit of the history. Wow. So, um, um, so, so we've been building the roads kind of as we can. Mm -hmm. So what about the roads that are current that need to be rebuilt? What's your thoughts and philosophy on how we, we move forward? So the, the philosophy back then was, okay, if the property owner's responsible for half a lane of pavement in front of your property and a minimum thickness, and then if the community wanted anything thicker or wider than like if you're on a section line road then the community paid for it through, through the city and and then when that street the city would keep it maintained best they could and then when it wore out because all things wore out then the property owner would pay to rebuild the street oh, just so like you like just like you would an assessment district ah. you could either pay up front to do it or you could do an assessment district and pay it out over 10 years well now we've shifted to well wait a minute Maybe if we took a half cent sales tax, right? And again, the first sales tax wasn't passed until the '70s, and that was for parks. Yeah. So there wasn't a, the only real source of revenue was what came off of electric. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> but so now then we do what we call a pavement management with the half cent sales tax, where we've inventoried every street in town. We have a rating for that. And then we use this very powerful software program to help us determine the best way to spend those dollars to keep the overall network in the highest ratings we can. So that's why you will see us doing um, maybe a microsurfacing on a street that's seven or eight years old. Because if we spend sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars on that street every seven years over the life of it it's still going to be in really really good straight good shape have a very high street rating whereas if we don't spend any money on it over 30 years it would take us several million dollars to replace it so down the road it pays off to spend a little bit as you go but we can't spend all our money on that we got it we got to spend some on streets that are not in such good shape, down the ones that are bad, and some of them got rebuilt. As I explained to, to a, a guy one time, I said, you know, think in terms of you've bought a company that's got a bunch of trucks, and maybe they haven't, for whatever reason, the previous owners haven't done a really good job of keeping all the trucks maintained. Well, you got some new trucks, and you got some trucks that aren't so new and aren't in such good conditions, and you got some trucks that are junkers. Well, you're going to take some of your money 
and you're going to keep those new trucks in as good a condition and, and you change the tires, you're going to put oil in them, you're going to do all those things to keep them maintained and then you're going to spend a little bit more money on the other trucks and then you're going to replace the worn out trucks as quickly as you can. The rub comes into which truck driver gets his truck replaced first. Right. And, and as a community, it's where we are. The rub is who gets their street fixed first or next. How do we determine that? Well, we, we determine that with this pavement management system. And, and then we also use, and we don't just, it, that's an important tool, but then we also balance that against what's the traffic count. Um, and, and that's a big tool. Um, and where can, we, where can we help things most? Let's take an example. This year, the projects we're getting ready to come out with, we could have overlaid Duck Street, or we could have overlaid, we could have overlaid Duck Street from Sixth going north, or we could have overlaid Main Street. Both of those streets rated out just almost the same. Main Street has a higher traffic count than Duck Street, so we picked Main Street because it's got the higher tra traffic count. Now, um, a, a valid criteria would have been well more the public or more the more visitors come down duck street than they come down main street so valid that's a very valid mm -hmm. right very valid but we chose to go with the with the traffic count as opposed to to that viewpoint because that's a because you got to be able to justify what you do we have to justify yeah. what we do and and we try very very hard to do that so um so the dedicated funding for pavement management is that absent sales tax. That's correct. How much does it generate a year that right goes, in and that's dedicated strictly for pavement management right that's now? That's correct. It generates, it generates uh, about, a, about $4 million a year, and uh, it's for um, transportation projects, pavement management. Uh, that, that would include, you know, if we had sidewalks, um, adjacent to it that, that we needed to improve. We, we typically do that. We take the opportunity to bring things up into compliance with the American for Disabilities Act um, and a lot of times when we're doing things and, and so we'll do some sidewalk improvements out of that as well. And we can also we can also use it for uh, you know the, 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 the way it's the way it's passed. Um, we can also use that for uh, new construction projects or capital improvements, but but we primarily do the pavement management out of that money. So four million sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's about half of what we need. It's, it's just to do. It's a third to half just to keep the system maintained. That's just to keep it where it is now. That's right. So if mm -hmm. we wanted to build, let's say a um, one lane, you know, like one lane mile, we wanted to completely rebuild one lane mile. How much does something like that cost? So that's that's well, that's a good question. It's a difficult question to answer yeah. because it's going to depend upon what what you're trying to serve with that mile of road. Um, is are you going to have a lot of truck traffic? Are you going to have a lot of vehicle traffic? All of those things determine the thickness yeah. of what the pavement's going to be, and also the width. And so that obviously affects the cost. Um, how much storm drainage are you going to have? Um, are we going to have to include um, um, uh, what we call a multimodal component to that? Um, where the council has a, a policy now that says we will look at uh, all forms of transportation when we in, when we look at the network. So, new streets, 
um, we we look at okay well where where are we going to put pedestrians where are we going to put bicycles how are we going to do that safely um, so all of those things um, fit into as well and, and you know I'm still trying to figure out where we're going to put the scooters but you know <laughs> we'll make that work <laughs> they, they keep adding <laughs> adding right. things keep adding things hover and at the same time hoverboards are next yeah, hoverboards and then yeah. at the same time in places where we have wide right away you know the adjacent mm -hmm. Property owners say, well, you got too much right-of-way, let's reduce the right-of-way. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I need more right-of-way. We need more. Because <laughs> this takes room and space and money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, so what are we looking at for capital improvement? What's what's going on in that area? So, um, you know, the council has, has started um, looking at um, – the finances and, and saying, okay, how can we best invest in uh, transportation and other issues? And uh, what would what would a five-year capital plan look like for mm -hmm. transportation-related projects? So uh, we, we developed a plan for the pavement management aspect of that over five years. That'll be a rolling five years. But they want something similar for a capital plan. So we we have um, an ongoing or state that's not yet completed called the Stillwater Transportation Enhancement Plan Update, which is STEP. The engineering's been completed on that. That has told us if the city grows in a certain way and a certain rate, here's where you need to, to make improvements, major improvements to your roads. Someplace you take two lanes to three lanes, sometimes you take them to five lanes, all that good stuff. So we've got a list of projects there. We have the form-based code area around campus, particularly Duck Street, that says, well, maybe we take Duck Street back to a boulevard and put alternative transportation modes for bicycles, pedestrians, and other things in that corridor as well. So that's a possible project to, to help not just livability but connectivity within the community. And, um, you know, and it, we have this desire for improving downtown and making it a desirable place to be and then if you're going to do that wouldn't it be nice if you could bike a ride from the campus area so what transportation improvements can we make to make that connectivity from from campus to downtown ODOT's needing to replace or, or need to work on highway 51 through town and, and we need to upgrade it we're having a debate as to as to how many lanes it should be and how wide it should be, but regardless, it it has the potential to be a very ugly scar and a very uh, splitting between the community. It also has we have the opportunity to look out and say, okay, 50, 60 years from now, what do we want that corridor to look like from a commercial stand or that commercial development standpoint do we want commercial what type of commercial we want residential what type of residential and then also how do we build connectivity across it aesthetically how do we make it look nice how do we build connectivity across it from north to south south to north so that it doesn't feel like a barrier that we still feel like a community that we're united and also provide again connectivity from from OSU down to downtown. It's a very daunting challenge, 
But remember what I said at the beginning, I grew up in the 60s, and if we work it out, we can do anything we want to. If we can get to the moon, we can pave our streets. If we can get to the moon, we can figure out how we want our community to be. And everybody's got a voice in this. Everybody's got thoughts. they got ideas, and we just need to talk about them. That's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. it really, when you, a lot of people, it's like they don't always understand that local government really is public servants and we're really thinking about different ways that we can serve the public and there are people out there really thinking about the roads and that connectivity so that the residents don't have to you know that's not their responsibility but you know making sure that we understand what they're wanting helps us do a better job absolutely well and i think so and i think you know when we had the discussion whenever it was in april and and I, you know, I was trying to be humorous, and it came across as maybe being a little flippant, and maybe as being a little disrespectful. And I didn't mean that at all when I told the council, "Well, we'll just tear this plan up." I was thinking, "Well, okay, I mean, you got it wrong." And of course, we can't. The um, what do I want to say? The um, open meeting laws, and rightfully so, um, prohibit or. St- strictly limit how much conversation we can have with council that's that's not in public so you know we kind of have to look at okay well what have past councils have done what was their priorities have these things changed and you know what's the community telling us what are we hearing and you know we we came up with a plan as a starting point of okay uh, the step plan and all these other things and you know the council went to it and said, basically said, hey, we're not all on the same page, and we need to all get on the same page. And the best way to do that is to have a town hall meeting, and that's fine. And I support that, and I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, it, it came across as, oh well, you know, you know they tore up staff's plan or they tore up Monty's plan, and yeah, blah 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 blah. It, it wasn't that at all. It was just the first. It was just the attempt at a first draft and. And, uh, you got to start and somewhere. And you got to start somewhere, and 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 we knew that from staff standpoint. And and you know, I've made the analogy. One of the things I like about golf is occasionally you hit one out of bounds, you got to tee it up and hit it over again. And you know, so we're just teeing it up and hitting it over again. Well, you gave us a lot to think about. That is a you know, hopefully people have a, maybe a different um, perception of Stillwater Streets after you know, getting some history and understanding how expensive. Uh, you know, moving forward is mm-hmm. in that you really do have to live within your funds. I mean, the city has to balance its budget. Absolutely, And I just think that's such a great perspective to see how far we've come and how important um, things like shopping and staying local in our community can help us fix our roads in the end game. And, 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 and being engaged. Yes. Yeah. Understand. Making sure people hear your voice. Mm-hmm. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have. <laughs> Oh, you may have asked me how I'd balance the budget, and I take it all. Ah, there you go. We just put all of the money into roads. Well, we know that there no, are no, some people got, in the community got, that no, would give you it all, Monty. Wait a minute. <laughs> we, we, it's not just roads. I get drainage problems. Oh, you as well do, too, and, and sidewalks, and, 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 and sidewalks, and the and, hoverboard and, you know, lanes. And, and Bill needs some for water and sewers. I'm yeah. okay with all that stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. We're going to have you back, Monty, because <laughs> this topic is so big and there's lots of questions Part to it. Part one is like seven. Yeah. Part one, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you back. Thank you so much for you being back. our guest mm-hmm. today. Thank you, Monty. Mm-hmm. 
before we go, let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions from a you know a lot of different formats, including email, social media, phone calls. The question today is from George, who submitted on Twitter. George wrote, the traffic on Perkins is congested, especially during peak hours of the day. I avoid Perkins at all costs, but it's the main, ra- uh, main road on my daily commute. The city needs to do something about this. Not exactly a question, but a request. Mm-hmm. So what well, do you think, Megan? George, there is actually currently a project in the works. Uh, a new plan is in the design phase to widen North Perkins Road to provide turn lanes and place a new widened intersection between Lowe's and Buffalo Wild Wings. And you can read up on this project and more by going to stillwater.org slash current projects. This is a um, an ODOT project. Right. Um, and so the city and ODOT have been working together for quite a while now. And so that should mm-hmm. be starting to come uh, to fruition. It's still a year or so out. Uh, yeah. But yeah. takes a long time to do big mm-hmm. projects like that. But we're getting closer on that one. Yes, that's something something that will be a reality soon okay uh, the next question is from michelle on facebook in response to the city's reminder to avoid collecting your recyclables in plastic bags you know those one-time use bags michelle asks, what can she do with the uh, single-use bags that she accumulates when she goes shopping yeah so michelle because contaminating your recycling with the non-recyclable items like those plastic bags that actually help uh hurts our city's recycling score so we're advising all our residents to either take it to a location that accepts um recycling they recycle plastic bags and they accept them or just dispose them in your trash cart with all the rest of your trash um some places um that where you can take your bags for recycling include walmart food pyramid and our daily bread and um it was great we posted that on social media and people were posting all the places that you could go recycle oh, them that's awesome. and so yeah but yeah um we just really ask that people we know that it gets really windy and that people sometimes they want to try and bag it to keep things from blowing out but try and put those things at the very bottom of your cart and so that the heavier items that you're that are accepted can kind of keep weigh those down because um, again it's, it's going to hurt our recycling score and we want to make sure that we have the best score possible to help serve you all right that is a great answer well thanks everyone to listening to our edition of fyi stillwater tune in for our next podcast